Brenda Brackens, and I will be the facilitator today for our um, session. So I just like to start off, start us off in prayer first. Um, oh, Heavenly Father, most gracious God, we come before you this morning to say thank you, Father. We thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your mercies that are fresh and new every day. God, we thank you for giving us an opportunity to see a day that we have never seen before, God, and a day that we will never see again. We thank you, Lord God, for the ones that you have sent to this conference. Lord, we continue to pray for our pastor and all of the leaders and everyone that you have sent to go on this journey. Continue, Lord God, to have mercy upon us. Teach us and equip us on what we need to do and how we need to do it to serve your people. We thank you, Lord God, for this time. I pray, Lord God, that this be a blessing to each and every one of us. God, and I pray that you be glorified in the end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to have a little icebreaker. If you would um, give us your name, where you're from, your role in ministry, and what do you refuse to spend money on? I'll start off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Mount Dora, um, Florida, which is about 100 miles from here in, in Florida. Born and raised um, in that area. And I have several roles here. I am a part-time staff accountant for the church. I am also on the prayer team. Um, I facilitate a grief share, grief support group ministry. I've had a lot of loss in my life. Um, and I was thinking about this last night, and I think that there's only one thing that I can think of that I refuse to spend money on, and it's just a personal conviction of mine. Um, I won't purchase lottery tickets because I feel like um, God has blessed me to be a steward over his money, and I don't want to take a chance. <laughs> with what he has blessed me with. So that's just a personal conviction of mine. Um, so if you all have thought about it or want to share, please do. I'll piggyback off of that. My name is Camille. And I'm from Tampa, Florida. Right? We're doing where we we're from. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm from Tampa, Florida. I was born and raised uh, here, and um, my role in ministry um, is the uh, choir on music. And I'll take it back off of you. I refuse to spend money on um, lottery tickets, any kind of anything to do with gambling or anything like that, alcohol, stuff like that. Um, and um, I think it's because for me, um, my family has had a history of gambling. And so um, I have learned to, it's kind of like a bold statement that I make uh, that if I go and gamble, then I'm saying that that is the thing that provides me. And so I refuse to, to allow that to be a mindset of mine, to say that that thing provides for me. 
that doesn't provide for me. God does. Okay, thank you. This is our icebreaker. I know that you all came in a little late, so if you don't mind sharing. Okay. Um, I'm Julia McMillan. Um, I'm from Tampa. Um, I grew up actually in this church, and I've been pastoring now in my own for about 18 years. Um, so my role in ministry is uh, is leading leadership. Uh, what do I refuse to spend money on? Stuff that they don't sell. I know. I was thinking the same thing. Right. I was thinking the same thing. He's going to pay full price. Stuff that they don't sell. That's right. Thank you. You are the do the work, Pastor. Do the work. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. And I was blessed to hear you at our, was it our leadership retreat? Okay. So you know a little bit about me. I'm yes. Dr. Shirley Davis, and I live here in Tampa. Originally, though, from North Carolina, and then lived in D.C. for 30 years, but got here eight years ago. The best decision I ever made. Um, my role in ministry is serving Bishop Julia McMillan at, at New Dawn Restoration Center as an elder. I sit on the executive board of our church, and what I refuse to spend money on again is I, I don't like to pay full price for anything. That yeah, things that are not on sale, I don't like to spend money on, and uh, Bishop will also agree with this and laugh at me. I don't like to spend money on organic, gluten-free, mm. diet, and low sugar, <laughs> low carb stuff. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Tara Jackson. I am from Monticello, Florida. I am seventh generation on that land, very proud to say. My family has been there since slavery. So yes, Monticello is 30 minutes east of Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's my blood, that's my land, that's, that's, that's everything. My role in the ministry is anything related to singing. I um, worship team, choir, children's worship, anything that's music related, that's my ministry in the church, and anything else that I'm asked to do is my ministry in the church. And see, I refuse to spend money on everything. I'm a very cheap person, <laughs> so I just don't spend money on it. Other than my dog, I refuse to spend money on most things. Good morning, everyone. My name is Camille Maven. I'm a licensed clinical social worker with the Christian Counseling Center here in the Tampa Bay area. Originally from New York, but um, I don't know if I can still claim New York. Parents moved me here in 83, and I was up in Tallahassee for about 11 years and been back since about 06. Um, Ministry-wise, we serve, my husband and I, we serve with the couples ministry at Grace, facilitating the communication reset class. Um, also, just providing counseling services, whether it's within the four walls, outside of the four walls. <clears throat> However, God leads me. That's my passion, my purpose, my pulpit. Yeah. Thank you. Good morning. Hi. I have a little icebreaker if you'd like oh. to share. Oh, no. Thank you. Okay, so a little bit about myself. Like I said, my name is Brenda Brackens. I'm a native Floridian. I was born 
in Eustis, Florida, which is just one little town over from Mount Dora, Florida. Um, went to college, UCF, and came back and never left Florida. Relo relocated to Tampa in 2018. Um, I'm, I've been a member of Bible Base since 2019. Um, I lost my husband several years ago to colon cancer. He died young with colon cancer. And um, I am now remarried now, so I have two adult sons and two bonus sons and two doll babies, who I love dearly. <laughs> I've worked in ministry for um, about 30 years. My husband was became a pastor really young, and um, I worked by his side. Well, even before he became a pastor, he was a youth minister, and you know we, you know how you start in the children ministry, and you know you do everything from the kitchen to everything. So I worked alongside him for about 16 years before he transitioned. But I also handled the finances in our ministry, and that was just God's way of preparing. You know how He does; He's always preparing us for what He has for us. Um, I've been employed with county government for about 31 and a half years. And 24 of those years have been in grant finance and budgeting. Um, I currently serve as the interim affordable housing director for Hillsborough County. I came from Lake County. I had worked in Lake County for 27 years in county government, but I took a job here in Hillsborough County as the fiscal manager. But for the last year or so, I've been serving as the interim um, affordable housing director. And I also serve as the staff accountant here for Bible Base. I do that part time. Um, it's just been a blessing to be able to, because when I first came here, it's not in my little script, but <laughs> when I first came here, I hid out from ministry because I had been worn out for so many years, you know, just, just, just worn out being a pastor's wife and being very involved. I didn't want to do anything. So I sat here for two years, didn't purposely, didn't try to get to know anybody because I didn't want anybody to know the things that I had. And God began to deal with me on that. Um, and then I reached out to pastor and said, hey, I can help. You know, I can help. I have, um, I have a background in church finances, you know, and I can help. And that turned out to, he wouldn't let me go. So, <laughs> so I serve as the um, um, part-time. I have an assistant, Carol, that just left that does a lot of the data entry for me. The only time I really have to come to the church is to print checks and write checks, but everything else is set up to where I can do it from home. So um, it has been working out very well. I've been doing this for a little over two years. Um, I am also the bookkeeper for Florida Community Development Association, so I keep the books for them as well. So I have a little experience um, in financing. So today we're talking about crunching the numbers, how we bridge the gap between ministry dreams and financial realities, um, dive into crunching the numbers to gain a valuable insight, valuable insights on building and optimizing budgets that empower your vision. One of the things that um, is key to budgeting and church finances is stewardship. And the definition of stewardship is a job of supervising or taking care of something. For the believer, we know that it's managing that which God has given us. Um, everything that you 
own or have came from God. And I'm not just talking about in our personal lives. We're talking about when God has given you something in ministry, we have to be good stewards over it, whether it's our finances or property or whatever. God has called us to be stewards over that which he has given us. And one of the things my late husband used to say is that God never asks us to give anything because he needs it. He asks it because he knows what means most to us. And he wants to see if we're going to give back to his ministry. And that's one of the things that I keep, you know, even when I'm giving in my tithe and my offering or whatever it is, God does not need my money. It's his. He knows how much it means to me. And he wants to see what I'm going to do with that, which he has blessed me with. Um, and we can show God how good of a steward we are by how we handle our possessions, how, he ha- how we handle what God has given us. Proverbs 21 and 20 says, there's a treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it, spendeth it up. And in this scripture, it commands those that maintain their provisions and take care not to run out of what God has blessed us with. God doesn't ever want us to be caught up to where we're just, we look around and we don't have anything. He doesn't want us to run out. Um, God's stewardship involves guarding resources and using them wisely um, before coming to, into the knowledge of Christ. For me, even though I got saved and got baptized when I was 12, I didn't understand stewardship. I didn't understand what it was. So I spent my money how I wanted to spend it. You know, never really sought God on anything, you know, about my money um, or about what God had blessed us with. But once you come into the knowledge of God and you know better, you know, God wants us to do better. Um, So he has given us his scripture. He has given us a word to um, help us with that. (coughs) So when we talk about managing our church's finances, I would often say that one of the key things in managing the finances is having the right people in that position. You know, we have to seek God for fiscal staff or for personnel. Um, For those that have been in ministry for a while, we know that the the scripture is true when it says that the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. You know, we have a lot of people in ministry, but we only have a few that are really willing to step up and contribute and do what God has called them to do. Um, And when it comes to Church finances, we have to be intentional about who we choose in that role. Because a lot of times we know that the laborers are few, we would just grab whoever is available. But that's not always best when it comes to your finances. If someone is in your ministry and they're not, you know, doing right by their own finances, we will be naive to believe that they're going to do right by the church's finances, right? Or if their checks are bouncing in the church. (laughs) What makes us think that we should have them running our finances? So we have to seek God and, you know, trust that he will send those. And we're not just talking about the fact that they may, you know, take from the church or any of that, but just be intentional about who you have over your finances. Um, It's a lot to track in a ministry. When I um, reached out to pastor and I said, hey, I can help. I had no idea what I was really asking for. Like, I just was like, 
Okay. <laughs> I had no idea what was involved in a ministry this size because our ministry back home wasn't this size. So I had really no idea what I was asking for. Um, but it was good that I had a financial background, but it was also good that I had software experience. One of the first things that he asked me was, do you know QuickBooks? And I said, yeah. I said, you know, I did it in my, you know, back when I worked in Lake County. Um, you know, it's, that, it's not that hard to, to pick up. It's only been a few years. So you want to make sure that you have somebody that's detail-oriented, that's good, um, that has a financial background, and that can navigate different software. Um, I had never used Planning Center. That's something that we use here. But because, you know, I'm good at navigating software, it, it was easy to um, adapt to. You have to understand the budgets of the basics of budgeting and we'll talk later about budgeting and hopefully we'll have time to do uh, an exercise in budgeting but understanding budgets is critical um, my late husband used to have me offer a, a, a when people came for benevolence you know he didn't want people just to continue just coming back to the church and what he would do was have me he would offer a financial class for me to just sit down with them one-on-one -on -one and go over their budgets and I would create spending plans. And it used to baffle me how many people had no idea how much was coming in, but was spending and continuing to get in car payments, but had never sat down and looked at it in black and white to see what's coming in. And that's why they didn't have enough to keep up with their bills. And you have to understand the basic of budgeting, even in your church. We have to know exactly what's coming in in order to know how much we can spend. Mm -hmm. And we have to have a, I try not to use the word budget because a lot of times people take that word, you know, to mean something negative, but it's a spending plan, mm -hmm. right? That's a plan that we have on how we're going to spend our money at home. I have budget sheets from probably my first job. Well, I, and I still write them out. I, my son's like, why don't you just do this in Excel? I just don't like change sometimes. But I still write them out every month. Every, I have like three months in my little um, binder, three months of what's going to be paid on this pay period, this pay period, and I plan it out. What's, you know, how I'm going to give my tithe, where I'm going to give my offering, who, you know, who I'm going to bless um, in this area. Or, and, I, and I write everything down how much I got coming in and how much I have going out. And that's very key um, when you, um, so you just don't have any surprises, right? I budget them out for savings. You know, I just lay everything out and that's very key, even in church budgeting. Um, we have to keep track of expenses and donations so that we have a clear understanding of our finances. Some people dread the end of the month when you work in this field, you're like, oh my goodness, it's the end of the month. But I'm thankful and grateful because we do such a good job of tracking and recording all through the month. So by the time that the end of the month comes, all I have to do is reconcile. And it's no, it's not a big job, right? So I just go through, I reconcile the accounts. I um, run some reports for the oversight board. And it's not a huge task for me. And that's because we have a good system going. Carol enters the checks or the, the bills into QuickBooks. As soon as she gets them, she'll enter them. I'll come in, code them correctly, print out the checks, 
And as long as I'm coding everything correctly, when I run the reports at the end of the month, everything comes out. Um, everything comes out fine. But also today is the 18th. But you know, I've already started <coughs> getting calls. Why? Because everybody want their statement, right? <laughs> They're calling, where's my contribution statement? Can I have my statement to be able to file their taxes? Um, it's very important that you keep these, um, keep good records because can you imagine someone giving $15,000 and they get a statement showing that they gave $1,500, right? People don't like you messing with their money. So we have to make sure that we are tracking everything accurately so that um, we can, we can, keep every everything in line. I'm, ve I'm a very detail-oriented person. Um, I like a lot of detail. I like to pay attention to detail. So I never want to like mess up on something like that. I have a question mm -hmm. about um, when you're in the process of re uh, reconciling your differences, um, what, what have you noticed in the church is like a big um, I guess outlier or, or, or cause for there to be uh, a great difference uh, in your income and your expenses. Like in, in, a, in an example, like um, do you have a lot of um, impromptu spending or someone trying, you know, someone needing to <coughs> spend money somewhere that they didn't expect? Like you say, you like to plan out. So one of one of our one of our challenges, I don't like to use the word problems, but it is a huge challenge with us is our American Express bill. And there's really no control and limits have not been set on people. So we know that with your own credit card, by the time you get the bill, it's two months later. Well, you know, by the time the, the statement drops and by the time I start working on it, it's what, six weeks later? Um, and so what I do is I have a very detailed budget. So for this conference, we sat, Pastor and I sit down once we get the budget together and we say we have X amount of dollars for this conference. People will spend money and go outside that budget because you have so many different people working on different things. So Pastor Trent's doing the music, you know, Karen might be doing the travel and so they don't always communicate to say, I've spent this amount, I've spent this amount, so we end up over budget in areas. So that's why, um, like I said, I've been doing this since the end of 21. So <coughs> last year's conference, they're still listening to my mouth about how much was spent on that conference last year, right? <laughs> so um, that's why you see this year's a little different. We have we have vendors and we have sponsors because I'm like, and pastors, he's, he's big on, you know, I want to have this, I want to do this, I want to be able to pay my speakers or whatever. <laughs> and he does not, like like he said earlier, he's a humble man. He does not like to ask for money. Well, we're going to have to do something because what we're not going to do is keep spending that kind of money. You know, we need to find ways to bring it in. So it's been great that we have these sponsors now that can offset that cost. Um, he sat down with me the other night and he's like, I'm a, I'm a, and I said, well, you're $1,000 over your speaker budget. I said, but it's okay. <laughs> because guess what? You bought some money in this year. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's a good thing. So um, I would say the, the challenge for us is our American Express bill. And I also, um, 
it's hard for me with the American Express bill because they'll call me and say, how much do we have left in chosen generation for children? Well, I can tell you what I have recorded, but I haven't done the American Express bill yet, right? I won't get those expenses for another six weeks. And um, by the time I reconcile that, you probably won't have as much, but here's what you have. So that's probably the biggest challenge that we have is in, in tracking. Mm-hmm. Because I'm hearing too, the accountability is so delayed. It is. That it's hard to track it real time. It is. One, if it's sanctioned and necessary. Um, and, you know, they should talk about this all day long about the power of a lack of accountability yeah. like that because mm-hmm. you'll potentially allow it to run amok. And then you'll have people who don't, who see the loopholes mm-hmm. and know how to use it. Exactly. And that's, mm-hmm. that's another, mm-hmm. another issue because mm-hmm. it's like by the mm-hmm. time they find out it's yep. six weeks later mm-hmm. yep. and it's done mm-hmm. you know yep. that the, yeah, and the bill still got to be paid mm-hmm. exactly would it make sense to kind of do like a um, um, more short-term um, reports like someone tell you how much they spent you know like short-term another challenge you know what I mean? another challenge is that I'm not here during the day Right. So with me having my main job, there's not an approval process. We had a process, but folks just don't follow it. There's not an approval process in place to say, and then you think about it, you have leaders that have this card. They should be responsible enough to say, this is my budget and I can't spend this, but it, it doesn't happen. So within the parameters of the larger budget, let's just use a conference, for example within the parameters of the larger budget, <clears throat> separate entities within that conference that come together to make it happen, music, uh, culinary, um, whatever. They don't have respective budgets that comprise the larger budget. Okay, so we'll, we'll go over the, how we set up the budget okay. here. But right, so um, each, each little area, we've got our own budget. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I found when I first came in that it was extremely challenging for me because there wasn't enough categories set out. So a pastor came to me and said, how much did we spend on this? I would have to go through transactions after transactions, pull out receipts to try to find stuff. Mm -hmm. So I did it very, very detailed. We have um, every event has its own budget, whether it's Mother's Day, Father's Day, church anniversary, every event has its own budget, pastor's anniversary. And whenever we pay something, we pay everything that's related to that specific event comes out of that budget, whether it's the honorariums, the travel, um, whatever it is. But we also have a lot of other categories like ministry expenses, um, operating expenses. So if it does not go into an event, like sometimes pastor may have a guest speaker come in. So we have a general honorarium budget that's not necessarily tied to an event. Um, We have auditing fees, you know, different things personnel, insurance. So it'll go into those budgets. Because I've been doing this long enough, I know how to build in fluff. Mm-hmm. And don't tell nobody what my fluff is. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and I know how to um, kind of manage it. So I know that if they, now the conference last year really caught me off guard. Like I did not see that one coming. We were probably like 10 grand over. Wow. 
right? So, <coughs> um, but for the most part, I built in enough fluff so that nothing really catches. They think that it's like an emergency fund. Well, okay, so yeah, if the so one of the things that I did is when I came in, Pastor handed me a a budget. He said, I can't present this to the oversight board. It's a half a million dollars in the red. I need you to, um, I need I need to put a budget together. I can't, I gotta submit a balanced budget. So I looked at it and I'm like, well, something's not right. So I took five years of revenues and expenses and looked at the trends over the last five years. And it was a glaring, there was something that was very glaring and it was the pastor's salary. I said, well, this is greatly overstated. You don't make $335,000 a year. Like why, you know, why is that here? I said, well, once I adjust this down, we're a lot closer to where we need to be, right? Mm -hmm. So I found that they were, the expenses were greatly overstated and the revenue was greatly understated, wow. right? Wow. But in order for me to see that, I had to look at five years wow. to see the trend, mm -hmm. um, to see how much type, how much offer, and how much scholarship how much we've been paying for salaries, how much we've been paying for here. So once I was able to do that, I said, I'm, I'm not even going to look at that budget. I'm just going to do it from scratch. And then I did it from scratch in order to give him a budget. So I presented in staff meeting and they're like, so are you telling me that we're not half a million dollars in the hole, but we have excess? And I'm like, yes. So I explained a few areas as to why, where I found um, these issues. The, right, the discrepancies. So what I do is, y'all better not tell my little secret, <laughs> but let's say I look at, um, okay, so I'll take the, the tithe. Let's say we got, I'm just throwing out some numbers. Let's say we got a million dollars in tithe last year. Even though I know with membership going with the trend that it goes up a little bit, I never budget that we're going to get a little bit more. Right. I budget like 98%. <clears throat> so I budget less offering that we're going to get in, knowing that we're going to get more. Mm -hmm. And then when you come to expenses, if I know that chosen generation really cost us um, $20,000, I might budget $22,000 to give myself a little fluff. So I'm giving myself fluff on the revenue side and I'm giving myself fluff on the expense side. Now, where the issues come in, um, and this is where we... Um, you're doing this, you're talking about that's your projections, but you're still giving them this is the actual budget. Right, I tell them a budget. And projections for the future, you fluff it a little bit on the expense and a little right. bit. Right, so I give them a budget. Yeah. I'll say, um, they'll say, how much do we have for this? And I'll say, you got $5,000 for back to school. Right. <laughs> so they know that they have $5,000 to work within. Um, so sometimes they may take up supplies or, you know, whatever. But I, the budget has already been set. So what happens is around September, October, Pastor and I get together and we go over the budget. And, okay, so I'm all out of order here, so we're going to have to catch up. But we, we, go, we go over um, the budget. And he'll throw 20 positions at me. I want this pastor. I want this kind of pastor. I want this. 
And I'll just sit there and be like, okay, okay. <clears throat> and I'll just build up a budget. He'll just tell me all his wants. I want to have this conference. I want us to do this for leadership. I want to do this retreat. And I just sit there and say, okay. And I'm thinking in my mind, ain't no way you're going. <laughs> There's no way we're going to be able to fund that. But I say, okay. So um, I put that together, put together his whole wish list. And when we're done, we're probably about $300,000 in the red, right? And I say, you know, um, I'm here to serve you. <laughs> I'm here to, you know, make sure your vision comes to pass. But at the same time, reality says we're not going to be able to spend all of this. So I need you to tell me what you can live with and what you can't live with. Because we're going to have to make some cuts. Because what we're not going to do is keep dipping into our reserves. Because that's not healthy. So you tell me what positions you can and cannot live without. And um, you tell me what events you can and cannot live without. Mm -hmm. You tell me how you could cut some of these events. Um, and, and we'll go from there. So we'll sit down and he'll come, well, can we do this? And I'd be like, well, and I have these spreadsheets with all these links in it, right? So, and I tell him, when you're looking at salary, you might tell me you want to spend $50,000 on that person. But you're not looking at benefits. You're not looking at the payroll taxes. Right. You're not looking at insurances. You're not looking at the fact that they're going to need a desk. They're going to need office supplies. All of that ties into it. Because right. he's like, well, the position's only 50000 but you're saying that it's going to cost me this. And that's because so much, so many other things are tied into it. Right. right? Um, so we'll go and he'll, it'll take days for us to come to what he wants to cut and he'll say well what about what if we don't hire this person until half of the year and i'll okay i'll make sure i make a note such and such a date pw said we're not gonna hire this person july 1. so when he comes back to me in april and say we're gonna start recruiting and i'll be like well you know we only have money for him for half of the year right <laughs> so you know and i have my little note on such and such a date so we don't we need to make sure that we're staying in budget um with that. So I don't know if I answered that question. I have a question about that. With the budget, so uh, two questions. One, I guess somebody who's not a numbers person, it's hard to understand the numbers. So do you have to go through a process of educating the church staff about how real numbers work? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we um we have a we have a we meet every we meet weekly. I'm not always able to make those meetings, but I provide reports to the staff, a monthly report that shows, you know, where we are financially with the numbers and what categories. So Pastor Trent's always saying, <clears throat> um, Walker and Media, you know, he spent that on media. Well, I have it as Walker and Media, which is our worship team, because it's hard for me to tell the difference between whether or not that's an item that media used for Waka. So I just keep them together because a lot of times when I'm at working 10 o'clock at night, y'all don't want me calling y'all saying, look, I'm going over to the American Express bill. This outlet that you all purchase, is it for Waka, the worship team, or is it for media? So um, I have to educate them. Like Pastor Trent was so upset last year. He went over in his Easter budget. Oh, my goodness. He was so upset. Well, you told me I had $3,000, whatever. 
Well, you know what? All those little palms that y'all bought. <laughs> Remember all them little flowers? <laughs> Everything that you all purchased for Easter goes into that category. As the, as the head of Easter, you should have been seeing who's spending what. All those Facebook advertisement for Easter, that went into your budget. All of those, the, the signs and stuff, that went into your budget. When y'all went out and bought the little danishes for the, that went into your budget. And he was like, well, I just thought that, no, everything Easter related goes into Easter. So yes, I have to educate often um, on different things. I know my second question oh, is, with the budget, I know um, outside of church, budget analysis, forecast analysis, projection analysis, did that happen within the church or no? Do we, do we forecast in the church? Do you do your monthly forecast and projection analysis? So, um, we do it annually. Annually? We do. Okay, so I do a monthly, I do a monthly um, budget or a monthly report to the oversight board. But annually, we'll say, um, this is how much we think we'll get in. The challenge with churches is you can never predict what people are going to give because you don't know what's going on. You can never, um, it, it's just challenging. Some, one of the things that I would advise is to always do a month by month budget because your revenues fluctuate by the month. Yeah, that's what I was asking. So <clears throat> when you do a month by month projection, you know that in December, like pastor's been like, I don't know that we're going to meet our, you know, I don't know that we're going to get in what we said. I was like, it's going to be okay because guess what? A lot of people give in the month of December because they're what? Trying to make their tax contribution. It's going to be okay. But in the summertime, people are traveling. You know, people don't give as much. He called me during, he called me right before the Christmas event and he was like, oh my goodness, we're having only one service this year. Is that going to mess up our giving? I said, one thing I've known, learned about people. If they've already said they're gonna give $100 for that week, whether you have one service or 10, they're gonna split it up and only get at $100. <laughs> so it's gonna be okay. They're gonna, it, it's just hard to predict in ministry. It's easier, um, like my job with the county. I know that we're gonna always get this much in for this grant because what we have a grant agreement and HUD's gonna give us this amount, the state's gonna give us this amount, the county's going to give us this amount. But when you're dealing with people and you're dealing with things that happen in the world, um, you don't know if membership will go down. You know, it, it's just challenging. So we have a month by month um, budget that we do for revenues and expenses. Our revenues, our expenses in May are more because of church anniversary, more in June because of scholarship. You know, depending on what's going on that month, your budget's going to be different for that. For that particular month. But are you still doing um, just an analysis of it? Like, so if you said you're going to be 100, but you spent 110 and then require explanations for why more than that was spent? No. Last question for me. I was just going to say so when you think about like, um, like in manufacturing, it's product costing, right? 
and you have someone that determines raw materials that are used, the resources that are used. When when uh, Tara brought up analysis, would it has it been considered to do like a a basic or standard Walker resource list that you know it's like a revolving uh, need for um, this amount of material or resources, you know, and the same with other departments. You know what I mean? To where you have like a almost like a forecast of what you think they may need because like you said. You may not know all that Walker requires to operate. You know, you you so you trying to figure out the grocery list on all of Walker's needs might be difficult, but that could be something that the departments in the church could, you know, lend to you to give get an idea. I understand what you're saying, but with ministry, it's just so different. Like it's different day and night because our plans are not always God's plans, right? So pastor may come and say, we don't even have, like all those mission trips we went on last year, we didn't have those budgeted. But guess what? God led him to do like five mission trips, right? The numbers person in me was screaming. Like what? Like what? 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 We, Every time you turn around, he's talking about call this travel agent and pay for these flights. And I'm like, this man about to drive me crazy, <laughs> right? But I knew that that's what God had, you know, God had laid on him, his heart that this is what we're going to do. Wow. So I have to figure it out and make it work. So it's, it's challenging. It's not the same as the analysis and the forecasting because we never know what God's going to call him to do or where God's going to lead. I think, I think something that she's pointing out is knowing your leadership. Because every leader is going to operate differently. Some, uh, but even for like, I'll use worship and creative arts. We have, when even when I came here, there was a standard operating procedures and a contingency plan that kind of gave a rough estimate of what our budget should look like annually. Now you all know how different things have been between worship pastors. Pastor Gary's particular was a pandemic, so that budget looked like one thing. Our attendance has grown. So <laughs> that budget looks like something totally different. If pastor says, okay, so for Easter, for worship and creative arts, I want everybody to leave something, with, I want everyone to leave with something in their hands. So pandemic, that was 500 people. This year, that might be 900, you know, uh, when we did Christmas at the cathedral. And then vendors change. So the lighting guy that we use for Christmas and the lighting guy that we use for Equip, two totally different numbers. So I think what we try to do is, if I can just speak to help uh, speak for that, is she gives us a budget and we try to work within that framework, and then we come back and say, yes, that this was enough money. No, that it was not enough money, and then she comes back and then figures out where to pull that from and how to restructure that budget. And it's also different with who you're working with. I, I, there's a few. Pastor Trent's one of them. There's a few that will stay within budget, and then there's some that just don't care. So in ministry, I mean, <laughs> how much of that, you know what I mean, like, yeah, and, business, and even pastor, business, so. Well, I mean, can I, can I have your view on this too, as the leader of a church? Because you know, when you think about it, you say, okay, well, the Lord told me to do this, so y'all, he said it was going to be done, so now we're going to have to work around that. Like, when does that take precedent? Does it always take precedent? over what you prepared yourself for. You know what I mean? Like so that, that type of stuff does not happen all the time. Right. That's rare, okay. right? And like I said, the little fluff that I have, 
normally takes care of it. It's not like it, it just, people just overspend, overspend, overspend. But there are times, like the mission trip, we didn't see that coming. Well, I didn't see that coming. So what I budgeted for the mission trip wasn't sufficient. Um, but there are things like positions haven't been filled. So, you know, there's money there to, to cover that. Um, and it's not, like I said, it's not something that's just, and like you said, when you know your ministry and when you know, once you, the more and more you learn the people that you're working with, you kind of know how to um, construct your budgets to. How do you categorize that in your budget? Which one? Just the. When they overspend? It no, goes. No, no, just the, just the, the uh, unexpected. Um, everything has a category. If y'all saw how detailed my budget is, everything has a category. The difference is when when they've overspent, it's going to show a negative. And so when I give the reports, it's going to show that they're out of budget. But it's going to go into that category. But you have a range that you already kind of just are working with and find the trends and patterns. You have a range of expectation of you know what's it gonna cost. What, oh yeah, you know, what mm -hmm. the, the red line might might look like. Right. So when I was telling you you all in the beginning how when I first came in I took five years of revenues and expenses I keep that going. So I had those five years plus the two. So now I have seven or eight years to see what the trend is going to be. What there's some things you can control and some things you can't. Mm -hmm. Like for example, um, utilities. Utilities gone up. Insurance uh -huh, uh -huh. Listen, the insur insurance went up $30,000 this year, wow. right? So when we put together the budget in September, October, uh -huh. I knew that it was going up. I don't know if the Holy Spirit just dropped this number in that spreadsheet, <laughs> but there was enough to cover wow. our, and I don't know if back then I was thinking this is where I hide my little fluff or what, but it ended up being exactly the amount think like $1,000 off from what we needed. So that wasn't a surprise to us. Um, some things are surprises, some aren't. Some things are, these are the plans that we had, but this is the plan that God had. Mm -hmm. um, so, but for the most part, everything like, things like insurance, um, that you, you don't have any control over that. But there are some things that you can't control. You can't control how many events you have. You can't control if you're going to take up a special offering. You can't control something that we can't control. Um, the church down in Fort Lauderdale had a fire, right? Pastor wanted to seed into that ministry. <coughs> we didn't know that fire was coming. So we'll take up a special offering, and he'll tell me to match whatever they gave. Now, I've set aside an amount for charitable contributions throughout the year, but I don't know, you know, that amount could or could not fall in line with what I've set it for. So I just try very hard. Every little penny that we have left over, I put it in a reserve account, in an undesignated reserve account to just try to save it in the event that, or now if I know that something is coming up, I won't transfer it because whatever, whenever I transfer something to that reserve account, I try to get board approval to move it out. And I don't want to have to keep going back to the board to say, can I get this 10000 50000 whatever it is, right? So, um, but I just try to 
so that it's not sitting there where you can see it. I just try to move it over to a reserve account for those rainy days. So we have designated reserves and we have undesignated reserves. So I just try to save as much as we can. Well, you mentioned it designated and undesignated. So is, is church accounting more, leaning more toward the foundation accounting process? So we have, um, the reason that we have a designated reserve is because we have a mortgage on the cathedral and the a um, mortgage holder requires that we do an audit. And one of the things that they also require is that we set aside some collateral for that. And that's in our designated reserves that we cannot touch based on our mortgage agreement. Our undesignated reserve is what we use um, capital. Um, so you all know in your, in your expenses, one of the things that you need to budget for is your depreciation expense, right? It's a, it's a real number. So if your depreciation expense is $500,000, it needs to be budgeted in your reserves. But you're not going to spend that $500,000, right? Because you're not actually spending cash. So what I do is whatever I had budgeted for that $500,000, I put it over in reserves. And I'm just throwing numbers out, right? So I'll put that number, I'll put that in reserve. But we also have a capital outlay um, three to five years to where, because what what that should be designed for is as equipment or something, right, breaks down and we have to purchase it, we go and take that money out that we put aside for that. So um, when I first came, so I we've had to, AB and I have had to go through a painful process of creating a fixed asset schedule and because we, we couldn't find it some files we just couldn't find um to make sure that we are depreciating the items um correctly and that we had an account for everything that we had um so i'm not sure that i understand your question about foundational accounting but we we follow gap we follow um, the accounting principles, mm -hmm, the general principles that that every other business does. We have to have an auditor come in every year. He'll be coming in around um, March, February, March. We have to have that audit to the board, to the bank by April 30th. So he'll come in February, get the audit done so that we can get it submitted. Did we move you along on your um, flash? We are so, so we are so off. And what time is it? Okay, so yeah, let me try to go through this, some of these slides. So I not only think I really wanted to do our little exercise, but um, I would just encourage you to invest. Invest in software. Don't please help your financial staff. What was it that you said you used? Now we use QuickBooks is the accounting software, but we have the planning center, which is a, it's a software that's designed for churches. So it's got a financial module. It's got a people module. It's got a, they use it for other things. And like we have Alexio. I've not heard of that. Okay. And does that feed into QuickBooks or QuickBooks feed mm -mm. into that? No. And I was getting ready to say that whatever software you do, make sure you do demos and make sure it's integrated, that it talks to different things. Because we get money in several different ways. 
We have online giving that comes through Stripe. Now Stripe talks the planning center. So I don't have to do much with Stripe, just record, record it in the QuickBooks. But text to give or simple give is um, Carol, she enters those transactions manually. And then we get money on Sundays when people give or whenever you're here, they give. Um, people still mail in money. So all of that must be done manually. So what I do is I've created these um, these tracking spreadsheets that I keep where I once everything goes in the planning center, I export it into an Excel spreadsheet and I create a table and it allows me to record it. You know, once I create my table, I can record everything into QuickBooks that way. So I use we use those two softwares. Um, we can briefly talk about protecting your um, church's legacy and how important it is to um, protect your church's leg legacy or integrity, making sure you have dual signatures, you know, on checks. Um, don't give everybody your bank account information, right? Pastor don't even write it down when I, like sometimes he may need it for something. He doesn't even really know our bank account information. Keep your office locked up. Right. Most, most of the office in our admin building, you could probably access like the secretary's office. But wherever those checks are, make sure you you keep that office <coughs> locked up. Um, make sure that your ledger is being reconciled. When I get done every month, the, it needs to be some type of accountability. Right. You need to be able to say I give it to the oversight board to review. I give it to the pastor to review. Um, but also, like I said, we have an auditor that comes in. And checks because you just you just want to make sure that I'm not the only person that's looking at this information. Um, and I give a very detailed report to our oversight board. It tells it's very detailed. It tells I, I do a summary page, let them know where we are um, through that month. It tells how much we've gotten in all of our categories: tithe, offering, scholarship, food pantry. Um, rentals, it, line by line, how much we've gotten for that month, how much we've gotten over that time period. If it's the month of August, so it'll show how much we've gotten from January to August. And I do the same thing for expenses, whether it's personnel, whether it's insurance, whatever it is. And like I said, we have a lot of categories that I go through. But I say this is what was budgeted, this is what was spent over the month, and this is where we're at. And if it's a negative in the expense, that means that they went over. But it also shows this is where we are for the year. This is what was budgeted for the year. This is how much has been spent. And this is where we're at. Um, I, I provide reports to our property direct, or property pro facilities director. Anything facility related, whether it's revenue, all of the rental income, whether it's um, the, the property expenses janitorial how much he's spending on just to keep him in line on you know expenses with janitorial or whether it's um H one of the, another thing that I found when I came here is you know I was like what's going on with all these air conditioner <laughs> air conditioner expenses so I created a group just for HVAC so that I can track how much we are spending on air conditioner repairs elevator because with everything all lumped in it looks like you're spending $100,000 on property expenses, 
but you really don't know what you're spending them. Right. So I, I broke out all of these categories so that I can say, you know, lawn maintenance. Do we need to get another lawn guy? You look, we're spending way too much on security, on the security. Do we need to get another contract for the security system? Do you need to revisit that? I know that I can't tell you who to, who to, um, who we need to do go to pay the lights to or the water to, but there's some things that we can control, yeah. right? Do we need to look at getting somebody else to come in and fix the elevators? You know, our elevator expenses, and I just had this conversation last month. These expenses are going up. What what's going on? Do we need to find somebody else to look at that? Um, so. I think the more detailed you are as far as breaking it out, it gives you a better picture on where you are in certain categories. Um, how much time do we have? Okay, so I would just say make sure you're paying your expenses on time. We talked earlier about Carol. She puts in our expenses. She puts in our checks. Um, I, because of, I can, my information, I can get it from home. I can go in and look and say, okay, she put in some checks today. I need to stop by the church tonight and print some checks or, um, make sure you have emergency funds and designated funds. Make sure you have a giving campaign. We don't do car washes. We don't do fish fries, but we do a giving campaign once a year. One year it was called, I love my church. This past year it was called strive. I'm not sure what will it be called in May, but every year around church anniversary, we have one big campaign where we ask everybody to give a sacrificial offering. And that's built into our budget this year. I made a huge mistake last year. We got, I'm throwing out numbers now, we got, let's say $200,000 the year before. So I was like, oh, okay, we got $200,000. Our budget went 50. Guess what? We got 100, right? <laughs> Those type things you just never know. So we're, we already went into the year in the deficit, right? Because we got way less. I don't even think we got half of what we budgeted. And I didn't even, I budgeted a lot less than what we had gotten a year. Another example of you just never know people. Just because people gave for I love my church does not necessarily mean that they were going to continue to do that every year or that they will continue. So this year... I didn't go nowhere near that number, <laughs> right? And it, it's just, it just, you, you just never know. You just never know. How um, are you saying, too, just a quick question, how are you saying the discrepancy between what people say they're going to give versus their actual giving? Are you seeing a big gap There's there? really no way to tell, because people don't tell you what they're going to give. People don't even want you really knowing a lot of times what they give. Oh, so you don't have them make commitments. They don't make commitments. No. But we do have reoccurring donations people set up to where they do it, to where, and studies have shown that people give more per year when you do a reoccurring donation, and they also um, give more often. So if it's automatically set up to come out of their account every two weeks, um, we can kind of tell if they change that. But we don't have people give up. <clears throat> what they're going to get for the year. Yeah, I was going to say from a from a uh, ministry and worship service standpoint, um, I've noticed that it, it also depends on how you forecast the vision. So I can even, I'll use just the two that we had. Um, 
with I Love My Church, we had just come out of renovating our sound system, whole nine, so people could immediately see, see, this is what this is where the money's going, this is why we need to give to that. Whereas with uh, Strive this year, it was more so with future projects. You know, we were funding our Impact CSC, which people have not seen what that program is going to become yet. So because they could not visually necessarily see it, they did not immediately as quickly respond to it um, because it wasn't as clearly laid out. And I think Pastor's goal was to get people just to understand that this is what we do. And so I want you to get it in your heart that this is what we do going forward. So you don't always have to, you know, we don't have to come in and show you a brand new renovated building for you to get towards it. Mm -hmm. And I have also seen the more transparent you are, the more people will give. So we did we did a, a state of the church, um, the state of the church where the pastor will get up and talk about, and we do it right after the audit, and the pastor will get up and he'll talk about things that we did the previous year and, you know, how it ties into the audit. And then I will get up and give a very detailed um, explanation of the audit, expenses, what we pay. You know, I tell people how much we pay a month for the mortgage, you know. And I've had so many people come up to me and tell me how thankful they are to know where their money is going. People want to know where their money is going. Yeah. I was also, before I moved here, um, after my late husband passed, I started going to another, you know, large size, large size ministry. But they didn't believe in telling anybody what they did with the money. And even though I would give to my ministry because I was being fed there, I also found ministries to give some of my money to where I knew where the money was going, right? And the pastor just felt like it's none of their business to know what's going on. And <coughs> pastor, we, we were joking one day. He said, I said, you know, the giving was so much more after state of the church. He's like, we need to have a state of the church every week. You know? <laughs> because the more transparent you are and the more people feel comfortable that you're not hiding stuff, that, you know, they know where their money is being spent, um, they'll give more. You know, I, I, it's been, it's a proven. Each time we've done say to the church, our giving after that has increased dramatically. But we only do it once a year. Um, it is, it's also a very educational. I remember you asking questions about investing. And, and, I, and the pastor knows how I am. And I don't think he has ever worked with somebody as transparent as I am. But, and I'm like, now, Pastor, you know, if they ask me a question, I'm going to tell them, right? I said, now, what I won't discuss is staff salaries. Someone, if somebody want to know how much somebody make, you need to go to Pastor, you know, talk about that. But anything else, I'm transparent because I believe that this is all of our money. You know, we're all um, seeding into the ministry and we're all giving to upbuild God's kingdom. And we should all know where our money is going to upbuild God's kingdom. It helps when we educate our members. It's help when they know. And it's also a huge eye opener for members to see how much we spend. They almost, I can see people like, whoa, when I tell them that our electric bills are $15,000 a month. Every month. Like, oh my God, what? <laughs> like, and that's because we got 16, <clears throat> 16 air conditioners or, you know. And it helps them to say, well, my goodness, you know, I just never knew how much. And I'm saying, <clears throat> even though the mortgage is this amount, pastor want me to pay this amount because he has a vision. He wants his church paid off by a certain time. So, you know, it really helps to educate members so that they are aware of where their money is coming. Um, it's also good to 
express your goals. Like he was saying earlier, pastor will tell the goals and the successes that we've had. That's good. Um, make sure you, you're issuing financial reports periodically. Um, we're not going to get into our budget, but I will give you the exercises to go home and just try to um, do them yourself. But um, like I said earlier, we want to create a budget month by month. Look and see what what months people give more, what months they give less. For example, pastor's anniversary. Like I said, people already know I'm giving a thousand dollars this month. If it's the pastor's anniversary, I'm going to give five hundred to my tithe, and I give five hundred to the pastor. <laughs> right? People do that. Right? So if you know that certain events are going on. You may not get you may not get everything. You may not get your tax offer maybe down that month. Church anniversary. I know if I'm giving a sacrificial offering, not everybody will give know what the word sacrificial offering means. Not everybody right. says I'm gonna really sacrifice. They'll cut from what they were gonna give before. So understand how those fluctuations change seasonally. Um, you don't want to ever be in a position as a church to where you're spending more than you're bringing in, right? Um, like I said earlier, my little trick, I underestimate our income and overestimate our expenses a little bit. You're not supposed to be in here because, you know, I'm in here telling my little secrets. <laughs> um, <laughs> adopt a three to five year capital plan. You know, we meet with the um, members of the capital team and we talk about, you know, things, capital items that we want to spend. And they'll want to do everything in year one. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> we're going to break this out over three to five years. We're going to set aside this amount, this amount, and this amount. Make sure you have a capital plan. Um, factor finances into how you'll do ministry, not if you'll do ministry, right? Um, so this is, I think this is my last slide. You want to... Create a working document. I use Excel a lot um, to create my working document. So I enter everything into Excel and then I put it into QuickBooks. I know that page is a little small. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, look at last three to five years. I always have a trend. Take your time and, and analyze each category. Look at those trends. Um, so, for example, if you spent $30,000 for the past few years in utilities, um, you can't say that you're going to cut the budget to $20,000 because you can't cut utilities, right? But you, like I said earlier, you can cut those things that you have control over. Um, be mindful of what's going on around you. Like I was talking earlier about the property insurance. We know insurance rates are, just, if, my, if my insurance rate at my house is increasing, I knew it was going to increase at church, right? <laughs> So, you know, be be mindful of what's going on around you. Um, I can barely see this. Is having a category for line items to be able to track? Yeah, so let me show you all. This is a little exercise that I wanted us to do in groups here. And these are only, this is probably only, this is probably only a third of the categories that I put in here. I didn't even put all of them. But this is really what our budget looks like. So I didn't put all the regular categories. I just pulled some of them out. But we we have our tithe and we have our offering. But I have all of these categories. But um, like I said, I didn't put like 
benefits and workman's comp and you know it's just so many of them but what we plan what I planned on us doing as a group is we were going to team up and there's a million dollars in revenue there's a there's a million dollars in revenue here but it's also 1.3 million in expenses and I wanted us to go through and cut out three hundred thousand dollars ways that you can and this is what pastor and I sit down and do he'll throw the whole kitchen sink at me he'll want 20 positions and I'll put them all in the budget and then we get we sit down and go through this little exercise and we cut to get to where we have a balanced budget. So in your spare time, and I try to make it to where it's, it's challenging. I put these categories in here of things that you need, but also some things that you want. And it's kind of like a balancing act on where you want to cut. Um, so sometimes you may say, well, we know that we can't cut utilities, right? We know we can't cut waste. <coughs> but it may be a hard conversation to have to say, you know what, Pastor? We may not be able to give $10,000 in scholarships this year. Maybe we have to cut that to five. Um, but most of the time where we cut is those new positions that he wants. Right. So the the general rule is your personnel salary and benefit should be about forty to fifty five percent of your annual budget. So ours we keep it right at forty. I think it's at forty point one percent. We keep it on the lower end um, for our personal services. Um, like you can't cut insurance. You. You can cut life groups, right? You don't have to have a life group, but those are those things that help your ministry. So it's, it's very challenging with ministry because you're constantly trying to balance between some of those needs and those wants. So I was hopeful that we could go through this little exercise together, but in your spare time, if you want to go through to kind of see. So it, like I'm looking at this and I, I see a huge like, like I was talking about my little fluff earlier. So if I was looking at this, I would say, you know what? We don't need $50,000 in office supplies. So that would be one of my little fluff areas where I'll just throw a little extra money in there because I know somebody going to overspend somewhere. So, so um, yeah, so if you, if you, like I say, you, it would have been a good experience had we been able to go through it. Um. When you do this too, it sounds like what you have pastor do is focus mostly on what we can cut. Do you have a conversation around where we can increase? So for oh, yeah. example, he, maybe it's two or three capital campaigns that year versus you said you do just one. We do one. It's not a capital campaign. It's just a giving. But he increases all the time. And he some things, he's just firm. He's like, you just better find me some money. <laughs> like this year, one of the things was marketing. He was like, I, I got to increase my marketing. I need to increase mission. He just told me some things that this is just where I am not going to bend on. Um, these areas, you just going to have to, you're going to have to do it. And I may come back and say, well, we need to, um, if we don't have a con, because we, we rent out the school over there. When that contract's over, we may need to increase the rent. We may need to increase where they're giving um, more for utilities or 
we may need to, like you say, do. Like one of my suggestions was, Pastor, you can't wait till April to start reminding people that we're going to have a sacrificial offering in May. Can you start talking about it in January? Um, we may need to, and he does not like ask, doing special offerings or asking more, but I'll say you may need to take up a special offering. Um, <clears throat> Well, like you said, you have sponsorships too, which is a great offset. Right. So you may need to offset some of those expenses. So there are are ways that you can get it done, but it's just having those those conversations. Um, We may need to bring some stuff in-house. So one of the positions that he he (coughs) wanted last year was a, um, like a marketing director. Well, we couldn't afford a marketing director. So that's why he was like, well, if I can't have a marketing director, I must have more for marketing. You know, I must have like be able to do more advertising or be able to do that. So it's a it's a balancing act. And like I said, we start this process in probably like September and it takes weeks for us to get to where we really need to be. And the reason being is we most of our contributions come from Titan offerings and you cannot force people to give. You know, you can educate, you can teach, you can pray, <laughs> you can do all of those things, but you cannot force people to give um, more than they're willing to give. Well, you give once a year on Friday. I was going to say, what part of the year do you meet? Like you said, September? No, 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 no. To, to get the budget ready for the following year. For the following year, that's what I was about to say. Is it usually around the third quarter? I mean, the... Um, I usually have it, I've only done it a couple of years, but the last couple of years I had it done like in September so that we can give a draft to the oversight board in October and then they adopt it in November okay. and then it comes into effect in January. What would be your biggest um, bit of advice um, working, doing finance accounting secular and then coming and doing finance accounting in the church? What's some of the better bits of advice? Yeah, for making that transition? Um, there's not much change, different from my main job to church. The difference with, the difference for me is that we have, on my main job, we have policies and procedures that you can get fired. That's, and at church, we don't have, so, um, but as far as the spreadsheets that I use are the same, I just incorporated them here. The We have a different accounting software for the county that I have here. Um, but the same controls we have, I have on my job, we have here. I, the auditor that I meet with here and the auditor on my job, they ask the same questions. So I make sure you know, Pastor Trent knows if you need a check for Walker, I need an email, I need some backup, I need something because when that auditor comes in and starts telling, saying I'm pulling out a random list of transactions, I need to be able to go to that file and pull out that check and pull out that backup and say this is what we use that for. So um, it's really not much difference other than the consequences at work are a lot different than it is at church. Any more questions? Well, I hope that it has been um, informational and informative to you. Um, my inf- my contact information 